Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name, as always, is Troy Mordiello, and I am your host bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's Basketball. And it's our first episode in about a month. The uh, the news has been a little bit scarce over the past month, as expected. You know, we got a little bit lucky uh, with this show, certainly uh, in our first off season that the Red Storm played until really the end of March. And then they had a very long, controversial, uh, drawn-out head coaching search that was obviously unexpected as well. So that kind of gave us content uh, throughout the end of April, really. But uh, I did say at the end of that, you'll remember that the the dust probably was going to settle on this offseason. It has uh, certainly settled throughout May and then now into well into June. And I would expect the same for the the rest of the summer months. So, you know, content is a little bit uh, scarce right now. News is a little bit scarce for sure but when something happens I will be here and uh, of course something has happened over the past 24 hours uh, today though we we do have a recruiting update St. John's has landed a couple guys since uh, I last did a show did a show uh, St. John's has targeted a couple guys St. John's has been recruiting guys for the 2020 and 2021 recruiting classes I'm gonna break all of that down actually I'm gonna be joined by someone who's gonna break that down uh, Deontay Mitchell of Rivals.com. He is a recruiting writer there for Rivals. Uh, you, the name might sound familiar. He is very, very active in the uh, St. John's Twitter community, and he has been one of, if not the best, uh, recruiting reporters, you know, guys giving little updates, little tidbits, little nuggets on uh, all of St. John's targets throughout the past couple of weeks. He was at the uh, NBA Top 100 camp uh, last week as well, so we got a chance to look at some of St. John's targets for the uh, 21, 2020 class and beyond. So, he does a great job with that. A must-follow on Twitter if you don't follow him already. He's going to join me in a couple minutes to uh, to break down recruiting for St. John's as well this offseason as well as beyond. Uh, but first, I want to get to a little bit of the news from last night. I'm recording this on a Friday morning. Uh, Shimori Pons ends up going undrafted in the in the NBA draft as of this recording on Friday morning. He has not officially signed with anyone yet. Uh, certainly looks as though he's going to go to the Houston Rockets. That was the report uh, very late last night once the draft officially wrapped up that he'd be going to Houston. You know, listen, it's a certainly a disappointment. It's it's I don't want to say it's shocking, but it's certainly surprising that Shamori went undrafted on most uh, drafts or mock drafts that I saw. He was somewhere in the 40s. Uh, some even had him in like the late 30s. No one really had him up in the first round, but he seemed like he was a consensus guy to get picked at least. Although I did see him off of a couple of draft boards, um, but it is it is a little bit surprising to see him go undrafted last night. But to be honest with you, I don't think that it's a major setback for him. Um, you know, it obviously would have been very, very nice, especially in his hometown, Brooklyn, to get his name called in the NBA draft and to to be an NBA draftee. But unfortunately, it doesn't work out that way. But to be an optimist, you know, his path to the NBA really is not going to be much different now. You know, if he does end up uh, signing with Houston on what I saw was a multi-year deal, which uh, again, isn't confirmed at the time of this recording. But if he does end up signing with Houston on, on a multi-year 
year deal, you know, he's probably going to go straight to the G League and he'll have to work his way up. That's really not a whole lot different from the path that any second round pick is going to have, you know, and even some maybe late first round picks are going to have as well in the NBA. You know, not very big roster sizes in the NBA. It's it's an uphill climb if you're not a lottery pick, and uh, Shamori's climb isn't going to be all that all that different, to be honest with you. So it's a shame that he did not get drafted, but at the end of the day, not the end of the world for him. Just kind of a a, a disappointment that he didn't get to hear his name called at the end of the day. But you know, I'm not going to break down how he fits in with Houston because that's a long, long ways away. Either way, though, it would have been a long ways away. I think, though, that this journey for Shimori Pons, while it is going to be a tough one, while it is, you know, the odds are certainly not in his favor to make the NBA. I, I do think that he has parts of his game that fit the NBA skill set. You know, in, in reading a lot of scouting reports about Shimori Pons, the number one thing that I saw is that his game translates well to today's NBA. You know, he's a guy that that I think to be honest with you, has sort of a defined role for him already in the NBA when you look at his skill set as a guy that can come off the bench, you know, not be a, maybe be a sixth man at his, at his height, you know, but, but you know, a, a seventh or eighth man, second or third guy off the bench, you know, his ceiling would probably be about a six man, come in, make some stuff happen, hit some shots, and then go back to the bench play, you know, 20 minutes a night or so. I think that that's already sort of a role that's been defined for him. And that's maybe more than a lot of guys, especially drafted in the second round, can say that they already have sort of a defined role that they could see their career going down um you know and maybe even some more than than some first round or some more so than some first round picks as well you know Pons I, I think he has parts of his game that are already NBA ready you know you look at his ball handling skills that that they're, they're second to none you know his passing his passing abilities you've seen flashes of that at St. John's in his three years there that that show you he's he's you know at certain times he's an NBA capable passer uh, on the defensive end he, he certainly has some lapses but I think that he's he has an ability to force turnovers you know you, you saw he led the Big East in steals a couple times or was right up there uh, in the Big East steals leaders for basically his entire career so he can force turnovers he can make stuff happen on the defensive end and he can make stuff happen on the offensive end where I think his game needs to be uh, needs to improve and where I think that you know it's going to be the X factor in him making the NBA and having a successful NBA career is his jump shot you know if he can can become a more consistent shooter, which he, he was a good shooter at St. John's, but he'll need to be more consistent to shoot on an NBA level. You know, and I'm talking from three-point range. I'm talking, you know, pull-up jumpers, all, all that. He needs to be a better shooter on the NBA level. And if he can find a consistent jump shot, a consistent mid-range jump shot, a consistent three-point jump shot, I think that there is a very, very clear and defined role for Shimori Pons on the next level. But like I said, it's, it's certainly going to be an uphill climb uh, for Shimori more he's going to start in the G League. League. Um, you know, St. John's last draft pick, Sir Dominic Pointer, uh, was drafted in the second round in 2015, and I think that he's still in the G League. I don't know if he ever made the NBA, um, but you know, you look at a guy like Jakar Sampson, who did uh, go undrafted and was in the NBA, I think within a year with Philadelphia, I believe. So there is certainly an opportunity for Pons to 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 get a crack at the NBA. And, and I'm assuming that at some point in his career, he will be an NBA player. It's just, you know, being able to stick, you know, getting out of that two-way contract zone, you know, getting a, a, a real contract with an NBA team. Maybe it's Houston, maybe it's somewhere else, but the, the start is there for him. Uh, last night, I want to touch on this too. Last night, I saw some people kind of advocating that this is why Pons should should have stayed at school. And I'll admit in the moment, I did kind of agree with that in the heat of the moment right after when I drafted, I, I thought ah, he should have just stayed. But in thinking about it, I think my perspective has changed a little bit, to be honest. I, I think that Ponza's 
draft stock was not going to be improved if he came back another year. I, I think that honestly, a second round pick was probably his ceiling. I don't see any scenario where he was a first round pick, you know, even if he came back this year. Um, you know, the, the move was to come back from his sophomore season into his junior season to, you know, catapult him from a second round pick into, you know, a mid to mid to late first round pick. Obviously, that didn't work out for him. And I think that we see that his ceiling now was a sort of second round pick. And I don't think coming back for his senior season would have really changed that. It just would have made him one year older, one year away from getting paid and, you know, less attractive in NBA scouts eyes as well. And, you know, when you look at the team, no no, no disrespect to the team that St. John's will have this year, the expected team that they'll have, but the talent level, com- you know, compared from last year to this year is is not really comparable. You know, you know, St. John's team last year with Marvin Clark and Justin Simon, that starting five that he had, uh, is cer- certainly looks better than the team that St. John's is going to field this upcoming season. Again, no disrespect. Obviously, the coaching staff is different, but I, I can't see Pons, you know, improving his draft stock all that much if he did end up coming back to school it was the right decision for him to come back to school and and, and, you know just because he didn't end up getting drafted doesn't make that any different but uh, those are just my quick thoughts on Shamori Pons we wish him the best of luck obviously like I said it's going to be an uphill climb but I I think that he has a good chance uh, of succeeding in the NBA one day uh, Justin Simon as well. He had a little bit of buzz, but I, I think the expectation was that he was going to go undrafted as well, and he did. He signed a, a G League contract, or I'm sorry, a summer league contract with uh, Chicago, I believe it was. Yeah, Chicago. So he'll be playing uh, in the summer league with Chicago. We'll see if he can stick on as well. You know, another guy who's very versatile, um, his offensive game probably isn't a whole lot to write home about in the NBA, but his defensive game, he's very long. He can play on the defensive end. He's a two-way player, which is big, which is big in the in the NBA, especially coming off the bench. So we'll see about Justin Simon. Um, I, I think that his odds are a little bit longer than Pons, obviously, just because he wasn't as highly recruited. But again, you can see a role being defined for Justin Simon as well, which is really the big part, the half the battle uh, for these NBA guys now, or for these G League guys now. Uh, Tariq Owens as well goes to Phoenix in the summer league. So so good for him. Good to see a former St. John's kid making it in the G League. But yeah, those are just my, my quick thoughts on uh, Shamori Pons on uh, Justin Simon as well, you know, heading now to the Summer League, I would assume all of them, and then probably to the G League where hopefully we'll be hearing a lot of them in the G League. But if not, uh, you know, we wish them the best of luck. We hope that one day we'll be seeing them on an NBA team as well. But now let's kick it over to our interview. We have Deontay Mitchell of Rivals. He's going to break down some St. John's recruiting with us. Uh, Like I said, he was at the NBA Top 100 camp last week in Virginia. So uh, he has some great uh, little tidbits from that and little updates from that. And uh, he really has his finger on the pulse of St. John's recruiting, as you can see if you follow him on Twitter. Like I said, absolute must follow. uh, And and one of, if not the best, uh, St. John's Twitter accounts to follow if you're looking for recruiting updates for this year and beyond. So give him a follow if you have not already. Just a quick programming note, we do uh, talk about, I think, just one thing that ends up uh, being a little bit outdated. We got into a little bit of discussion about DeVale Johnson uh, for 2019 as a potential St. John's recruit, Juco kid. Uh, He ends up going to Rhode Island. He went to Rhode Island a few hours after we recorded the interview, actually. So that may be a little bit outdated, but everything else from the interview is awesome. Uh, Deontay does an absolutely great job. So uh, we'll, we'll send you guys off to that interview right now. Hope everyone enjoys it. 
All right, I'm now joined by Deontay Mitchell, a recruiting writer for Rivals. And if you are active on the St. John's Twitter community, you know that he is uh, one, one of the better recruiting sources for St. John's recruiting on Twitter. You can find him on Twitter at Mitchell Deontay. Uh, you can find him also his work on Rivals.com. I have to say, Deontay, you don't have to hear this from me, but definitely one of the uh, the must-follows on St. John's Twitter recently. You've been killing it recently with updates, with uh, you know, little nuggets. So, so I want to thank you for that. I'm sure that you hear this a lot, but, but I want to thank you for that for sure. Thank you. Yeah. I, def- I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, so so you were recently at the NBPA Top 100 as well. We're going to get to that in a second. I, I want to start, though, with uh, a little bit of breaking news, I guess. this is We're filming this on uh, Wednesday morning, but last night on Tuesday night, St. John's got a commit from uh, Nick Rutherford, grad transfer from, from Monmouth, I believe. Uh, point guard kind of fills that role from what I've heard. You know, a little bit of a gritty player, two-way guy. Not, the stats aren't going to jump out at you, but they – Obviously needed a point guard. Could you tell me uh, what you know about him, what you've heard about him, what you've seen maybe? Um, so Nick is a guy um, that uh, TJ Cleveland was very high on because of his defensive uh, ability. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, he is a very tough guard uh, who has the ability to run a team. Um, and they, he, filled a, he filled a need for St. John's. And I think um, with them going up tempo and – wanting to push the pace and also uh, try to do that full-court press that Mike Anderson is uh, known for. I think Rutherford is definitely a guy that can help them out. It adds experience. It gives them depth. They can do multiple looks in the backcourt now. So I was definitely uh, excited to see that they added uh, Nick. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to ask this. You can tell me if I'm if I'm way off with this, but I, I saw it actually being kind of bounced around on Twitter today. The idea that Rutherford is obviously a grad transfer; he'll only be here for one year instead of getting you know maybe a JUCO kid or, or even a four year kid. Uh, he's only here to play point guard for one year. They are looking at guys like Andre Corbello, uh, Hassan Diara to play point guard in 2020. Do you think that this in any way means that they feel good about getting one one or both of those guys, or am I reading way too far into that? Um, I think it's uh, reasonable for someone to consider that. Um, and they've been very hard on Corbello and very hard on Hassan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think a lot of what uh, this commitment allows them to do is um, kind of focus more so on that 2020 class of, of guards uh, with Rutherford only being there for a year. And um, I think this commitment helps them. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely does. And, you know, it, it does kind of give them a little bit of time to figure that out. Now, we want to look at the rest of the class of 2019 uh, in Mike Anderson in the last couple of months. John McGriff, the guard, Julian Champagne, the local kid. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about them, what, what both of them bring to the table? Obviously, both probably should be in a little bit more of a reserve role on, on this team, but they seem to fill out the, uh, ro- fill out the roster nicely. Uh, what do you know about each of them? Okay, so Jonathan McGriff, we can start there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan McGriff is definitely uh, the type of point guard that Mike Anderson likes. Uh, very quick, very fast, uh, has a great handle, uh, can get into the lane, facilitate. He had a guy like that back at uh, Missouri, Phil Pressy. So mm-hmm. uh, he was definitely a guy that I thought would fit um, immediately into uh, St. John's system. Um and then Julian Champagne, uh, he's an interesting kid uh, that I think 
will be more of a versatile kind of a Justin Simon role mm-hmm. um, with St. John. Uh, really good defender, um, elite athleticism, um, can pretty much do a lot of things. Uh, his versatility was one of the reasons why a lot of uh, colleges reached out and offered him a scholarship in mm-hmm. St. John's. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of filled every box for him, and uh, they're definitely lucky to have him. Mm-hmm. And staying on Champagne for a second, this idea, I think when, when Anderson was hired, I think most fans were, were happy with it, judging you know where they were in the search at that point, that they got away with Mike Anderson. Um, but he is not a local guy, obviously has really no ties to this area. I think some of those concerns about him maybe recruiting in this area were put to bed when he kind of filled out his staff with, with a bunch of local guys, obviously. And then to get a local Brooklyn kid with one of his first recruits, really, does that kind of put to bed? You know, any doubts in your mind that you know this staff is going to have have some trouble? Maybe you know, you know, I, th- I think that there's good reason to be confident about this staff recruiting locally, right? Absolutely, uh, Mike Anderson. Period is a, a great recruiter, mm-hmm. um, and he did the right things by adding Vaughn and adding Steve mm-hmm. um, to to the staff uh, to sort of give them some more local uh, ties, give them some more. Uh, prospects that they can tap into um the champagne commitment was huge especially for the fan base uh to kind of let them know hey we're actively recruiting this area this is our uh, strong point we want to we want to lock it down so Mm -hmm. um it's it's good to know that staff prioritized him uh the moment that they got on campus and uh got him Mm-hmm. Now, one roster spot is, or one scholarship is open left for uh, this upcoming season. Seems like there's really a couple guys that are that are in the running for that. That that they're trying to get uh, Devale Johnson, who I believe they're going with Rhode Island against uh, Niven Glover, who's apparently going to be announcing soon, and then someone I, I'm not sure how the likely this one is, but um, Austin Van Zill, if I'm if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I saw that they were kind of uh, linked with him yesterday. Now. Um, can you tell me which one or two of the or one of those guys I guess St. John's could use the most or, or which target they're looking at to fill this roster for next year? Uh, which do you think they could use the most? Um, that last roster spot is going to be very interesting because I don't think St. John's uh, knows exactly where they want to go with that. Mm-hmm. I can definitely tell you uh, I spoke with Austin yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, Austin uh, basically told me that um, St. John's has their point guard of the future, and that doesn't look like a, a place he he will land. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so as far as uh, Nevin Glover, um, I actually have not been able to reach his camp, but um, from the sources that I've had, uh, some people that are very knowledgeable about that situation, St. John's definitely has a chance. Okay. Along with Texas A and M, Georgetown, and others. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also going after, I, I believe, a few JUCO bigs um, as well. So that that last roster spot could be up for grabs for pretty much anyone. Yeah, so it's it's a couple guys basically at this. Not, nothing uh, set in stone at this point. Um, moving on to the NBA Top 100, you were there last week in Virginia, obviously. Um, you were tweeting out, you know, little nuggets, little updates all week, really doing a great job there. As we said, uh, a couple of St. John's targets were there. Curbelo was there. DR was there. Uh, I believe RJ uh, Davis was there as well. Can you, can you, uh, tell me, you know, which St. John's recruit or St. John's target impressed you the most with his play, uh, over those couple of days? 
Um, I would probably have to say it was Hassan Diara. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he's always been a guy that, um, was tough and, and gritty, but I think what he showed at the NBA top 100 camp is that the fact that he can actually be a point guard mm-hmm. and be a really good point guard at an elite level. And that's, you're starting to see, you know, he picked up Ohio state, um, you know, um, a bunch of other offers um, are starting to come to him now mm-hmm. uh, because I think a lot of people are starting to see that this guy can can play uh, point guard at, at an elite level. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked on, touched on this earlier, but uh, Curbelo and Diara, did, did you get a chance to, to talk to them at all at at, uh, at the camp? And and you know, did you get a, a maybe a vibe on what they're thinking about St. John's for twenty twenty? Um. I actually spoke to uh, Carbello's coach, uh, Jay David, who mm-hmm. does most of his, uh, or who is more involved in his recruitment. Um, you know, because Carbello has only been here for two years and he doesn't really know much about uh, the college scene. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jay David takes care of most of that. Okay. And um, so Jay told me that St. John's is definitely in the picture. St. John's is uh, making a hard push for Carbello. Um, and Diara, I actually got to speak with Diara in Dallas, and Diara told me that his mother was very, um, his mother wants him to stay locally, wants him to play at St. John's. Okay. Um, he likes St. John's, uh, but his recruitment is wide open, um, as you can tell. I mean, there's a lot of uh, teams out there that are offering him that are interested trying to get in his recruitment and stuff like that. So that'll be it. Mm-hmm. That will be an uphill battle for St. John's as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe an update. Have you talked to Nate Tabor at all? I don't think he was at that camp, correct? But um, you know, have you have you spoken to him at all recently about you know where St. John's stands with him? Um, I actually spoke to uh, Nate and Indy um, at the at the Nike, the second session. Okay. And he told me that St. John's did reach out. St. John's uh, was recruiting him. They did reoffer him um, and that he was going to plan a visit. Um, but since then, uh, I've talked to some people that were very knowledgeable about that situation uh, that I trust. And they told me that um, St. John's is probably not going to land or re-land uh, Nate Tabor and that um, they possibly have moved on from that situation. Okay, interesting, interesting. Now, the the dream for St. John's fans uh, in 2020, you know, seems to be landing that that big class. Uh, depending on how many scholarships they have, obviously, you know, Carbella, Diaro, Diara, uh, Tabor, as you said, maybe not as likely at this point. Uh, Davis, uh, any chance of, of St. John's, you know, landing that big class, getting you know two, three, four star recruits next year, or, or do you kind of see them maybe landing one or, or none of them? Um, definitely up for grabs. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. I know they're very hard on uh, Jameen Brakefield. Uh, okay. He's one of the really good friends of Jonathan McGriff, and Jonathan has been recruiting uh, Brakefield a lot. And I actually spoke to Brakefield at uh, the Top 100 camp, and he said that relationship could definitely impact his recruitment. So that's a recruit that um, St. John's is. Uh, I mean, that St. John's fans should pay attention to. Um, they also offered four guys: uh, Cam Thomas, Mouse Duke, Jonathan Acue, and Andre Harris. Um, out of those four, I think Mount Stude is probably a guy that uh, could really consider St. John's. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a really good shot at Hassan. They have a really good shot at Corbello. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, 
I, I definitely I definitely feel confident in their ability to land at least one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think going forward, 2021-2022, is, that's the classes that are actually going to put St. John's back uh, to where they, they should be. Definitely, yeah. and a couple roster spots open up then as well. Uh, one more question for you. At this camp last week, uh, I think you were saying the, basically the entire staff was there for St. John's. Um as far as the noticeable differences between this staff and, and you know the former staff with Chris Mullen, uh, obviously everyone chipping in on the recruiting is the big difference. But uh, anything else that you've seen in the way that Mike Anderson and his staff are recruiting that's a big difference from how, how Mullen used to do it? Um, I, I can't say any noticeable differences. I just mm-hmm. think that um, they – they did things differently mm-hmm. and fans react to things differently. Mm-hmm. So this staff now, um, they're casting a very wide net. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily going after the five and four star guys. They're actually looking for guys that'll fit within that system. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mike Anderson is very involved. Um, TJ Cleveland is very involved. Von Macon is very involved. Steve DeMeo is very involved. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Everyone in the staff is pitching in. Everyone is going after kids. Uh, everyone is on the same page. Um, and the and the Chris Mullen staff started off this way as well. Yeah. So, um, it's just one of those things where uh, it's a little too early to tell. Yeah. Um, they Chris Mullen got um, Chris Mullen got a local kid as well. You know, his first couple uh, his first year there. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where. It's a wait and see kind of process. We'll see how this staff uh, ends up um, recruiting and and the players that they're able to get to St. John's. Mm-hmm. And maybe one one more last question for you: When you mentioned you know Anderson has that kind of set system that guys know uh, you know you know the type of, of you know full court press, forty minutes of hell system that he plays. Does that help with recruiting when a recruit knows okay I, I can fit into this system as opposed to Mullen who didn't really have anything established, especially in his first couple of years when he had just started coaching? Does it help guys to kind of know okay this this guy he plays the type of system that I want to play? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, back when maybe it was a month after um, Mike Anderson was hired, I actually reached out to a couple coaches um, on the AAU circuit Mm -hmm. um, and as well as uh, some of the high school coaches in New York City. And they were all uh, very excited about Mike Anderson. They were all talking about um, how it seemed like St. John's fans had a breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. and how his system definitely fits exactly what a lot of New York guys like to do, get up and down, uh, run the floor, kind of the freedom of the court, as Brakesville told me in uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, his system is definitely attractive to a lot of to a lot of recruits that like to get up and down, run the floor, um, and play positionless basketball. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Well, Deontay, I can't thank you again for uh for doing this can't thank you enough for doing this for you know doing all that you do on twitter as well like i said you're you're an absolute must follow with all the stuff that you get you you know you're one of the few sources of saint john's news on twitter that we can rely on that we know is is, you know going to come out with accurate stuff as well so i really can't thank you enough for that man keep keep it up obviously you're doing a great job and uh hopefully you know we we can have you on again maybe at some point later in the summer when we talk about recruiting you know i'm not if you couldn't tell i'm not too versed in uh in recruiting and 
you're obviously very, very well versed in that. So maybe we can have you on again at some point in the rest of the summer and we can do this again. But thank you this time for coming on. Not a problem. Hey, take care. All right. Keep up the good work, man. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. All right. Big thanks to Deontay once again for coming on and giving us some great, great recruiting updates there for St. John's. Uh, as I said at the end of the interview, you know, I, I would like to make Deontay our, our recruiting guy because uh, he really, really does an outstanding job. So hopefully whenever we have any recruiting uh, questions or, or updates or anything like that, hopefully we can tap to to Deontay to uh, get some answers to that because he's very, very locked in on the St. John's recruiting scene. But that should just about wrap up our show. Uh, quick programming note. I am still working on a couple of those, you know, longer feature style interviews that I had mentioned in our past couple of episodes. Uh, we were right on the cusp of having what would have ended up being our, our biggest guest ever. I actually spoke directly to him, uh, but the timing just didn't didn't work out for him. But hopefully, we can have we can make that one happen. Um, like I said, it was, it was a huge guest, not necessarily St. John's related, but certainly a college basketball icon that would have been really, really cool to talk to. Uh, and I, I just don't want to push too much on that. That was about two weeks ago. So we're, we're waiting. That that one will happen, though. I'm confident that it'll happen at some point this summer. I, you know, it's just not it's not really time uh, time sensitive. It can really go out at any time during the summer. So whenever it works for him, we will definitely do that one. Should be a really, really cool interview that I'm really looking forward to as well. And um, so, so we'll see about that one. I just don't want to push too hard uh, on that one. But that's coming and uh you know any breaking news any updates any you know big big news nights like last night for st john's i'll come out with a podcast as well during the summer until you know really september once we get into uh season preview mode in september and october but for now it's really just you know waiting for any news to come out and i'll come on and do a show when when it uh when it warrants a show but that just about wraps up today's show uh thank you everyone for listening be back sometime later this summer Hope everyone is enjoying their summers, and let's go Giants.